Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. service tonight. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you and thank you for the privilege that you have given us to once again be in your presence and in this service. This is not a responsibility that I have taken lightly tonight, nor is it something that we consider as a congregation as something minuscule in our schedule. But with great intention, Lord, we have been preparing for hours for this very moment to come into this place to worship you and to set everything else aside. And so help us in our endeavor to do that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Tonight I want to uh, speak from a subject that I have entitled Dealing with Disappointment. And uh, to be sure that before life's journey is done, we're going to have to deal with situations that disappoint us. I'm using the word disappointment pretty pretty loosely here tonight because uh, that can be disappointed in that uh, when you got there to get a milkshake, the milkshake machine was busted. Or disappointment can be real serious things in your life that are irreparable, they're irrevocable. And so I think that we have to learn how to deal with those things. As a foundation that I would like to build everything on tonight, I would like to take us to one scripture that I want to use as a center point, but not just as a center point for this evening, but I think that this certainly should be a center point for our lives. And that is the book of Psalms 118 and verse number 8. And uh, you may have read this before. I heard this before, but Psalms 118 and 8 is the very center of the Bible, the middle of the Bible, from the very first verse to the last verse. And so when you're in the middle of a mess, I've always said, just go to the middle of the book. Amen. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Now, that would be a very idealistic statement if we only had to deal with the Lord and never deal with mankind, but that is not exactly how life is devised. And even God has ordained humanity 
to fulfill certain roles and obligations in our lives. And so Psalms 118 and 8 is not a scripture that gives credence to a spirit of rebellion that I'm not going to put any confidence in any person. I'm just going to trust the Lord. That kind of sounds like the old 70s song, me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. I don't think so. Because God has a pattern and he has a plan and we certainly had to follow that plan. And so we live in the real world and in the real world, that means that we have to deal with humanity on a daily basis, our own humanity. And certainly the psalmist David understood this principle and so I want to just reiterate that I, I don't think that David is trying to disqualify the input of people in our life. We have to give honor to whom honor is due. But he is simply reiterating the fact that we must place our real trust and our real confidence in the Lord first. And so if we're building a house, let's let this be the very first layer. We're going to put in this foundation my trust in God. And then when anything else in my life erodes away and nothing is left but God, I still trust God. My wife sings the song, I still trust you, Lord. I still trust you. When all is said and done, that's, that's the very first layer. That's the principal layer that we have to build on. And so as the Lord began to deal with me about this subject, uh, I, I felt directed to the story of Samuel and Saul. It's a very, a very fascinating passage of Scripture, to say the least. If you, if you have not read, I know we've all heard excerpts of the story but if you have not read the story of the conversion of Saul, then I would just challenge you to read 1 Samuel 9 and 1 Samuel 10 in, in as quickly as you can. Not tonight, but as quickly as you can. Not right now, at least. But uh, it's a very fascinating story. It's a story of a common man that has an uncommon call placed upon his life. I know that we picture Saul and we see him generally already as the king of Israel or we envision him as a fallen king of Israel. And many times because of the high points of those two markers in his life, we fail to acknowledge some very significant things that happened to him. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 1 the Bible says then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head being Saul and kissed him and said is it not because of the Lord is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance so here's this tremendous moment in the landscape of of life and in the landscape of biblical history that the children of Israel had asked for a king and now they were being granted that request Samuel the priest is now anointing this chosen vessel of the Lord and anointed him with oil. Samuel anointed him to be the king over Israel because that's what God commanded. That's what the Lord told him to do. So God had chosen Saul from among all the men of the earth. He chose Saul. Therefore, Samuel had every reason to expect that this is going to all end well. This is going to bid well because after all, this is God's chosen person. So how could this go wrong? And so Samuel enters into this relationship with Saul with his eyes wide open and his heart is full of expectation and rightly so. 
And so Samuel begins to share with Saul some of the very, some very specific things that were going to happen in his life. In short order, as a matter of fact, that would validate the call of God on his life. And so for the sake of time, I'm not going to just read them word for word, but I just want to bring a few bullet points because it's just too rich to skip over this. He said things like this. He said, when you depart from me, you're going to find two men by Rachel's sepulcher, and they will tell you that what you're looking for has been found. The very reason that you're out here is because he had lost some animals that belonged to his father. And he said, just by the way, you're going to run into some men and they're going to tell you that what was lost has been found. After this, you're going to meet three men on their way to Bethel. Now I want you to listen to how specific this is. He said, these three men that you meet, one is going to be carrying three kids, another is going to be carrying three loaves of bread, and another will be carrying a bottle of wine. He said, they're going to salute you and they're going to give you of these three loaves of bread, they're going to give you two loaves of bread. That's pretty specific instructions. I would be wanting to write this down. I mean, this is pretty specific. Then he says, after this, you're going to meet a company of prophets coming down from a high place. They're going to have a psaltery, a tablet, a pipe, a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. So they're going to be playing some sort of musical instruments and they're going to be prophesying. Now prepare yourself, Saul. When they begin to prophesy, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you and you're going to start prophesying with them. This was a common man who just left the house that morning to find some animals that his father had lost or that were lost of his father's. And he said, you're going to meet all of these people and then you're going to come across these people and they're going to be prophesying and then the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you and you're going to start prophesying. And so I'm just asking you for the sake of just playing along tonight, would you just put yourself in these sandals for just a moment? You just left the house this morning. You stopped at the convenience store to get a cup of coffee and all of a sudden you just ran into this guy who starts telling you all these things that are going to happen to you. And then when you turn and leave, all of these things, you think this man's lost his mind. But then all these things start happening to you and he said, you're going to prophesy just like they're prophesying, and you shall be turned into another man. Chapter 10, verse number nine says, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, I think it's always important to just step into the promise. Amen, that's just a side note. I think it's important to step into the promise. If God promises you something and you just stand and stare, you may never see it come into fruition in your life. I think something significant happened that when he turned his back to walk from Samuel, God gave him another heart and all those signs, the scripture says, all those signs came to pass that day. This didn't stretch out over six weeks, over the next four years. But in the course of one day, everything that was promised to him came to him. Samuel prophesied that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. He would be changed to another man. And now, just a few short hours later, all of this has been fulfilled. Samuel now begins to witness something happen in the life of Saul over a period of time. He begins to see some strengths that, that Saul possesses, some real strengths, some kingly strengths. He saw him exercise integrity in one particular passage of scripture. Another time he watches him exercise great humility. He saw his ability not to just lead a few people, but he saw in him the ability to lead masses of people. 
not to just lead them into nothingness, but he inspired them and placed confidence in them. And so Samuel began to realize this man is truly anointed of God. He saw his patience, the patience that he exercised. When, you know, when, when Saul was first anointed king and began to fulfill these roles, everybody didn't really believe in him. You can find all this to be true in what I'm it's suggested for you to read in those chapters. of uh, You can find people saying, uh, uh, isn't this Saul? Because, see, they remembered him from before. They watched him grow up. They saw him make a few mistakes in his life, and now they're seeing this man mildly used of God. And so when people didn't just readily embrace him as this newfound king, I mean, he had the power just to swipe them off the earth, but he exercised some patience there and just left them alone. Chapter 11 opens with a story that provided Saul an opportunity to show himself as a great military leader, not just someone who could inspire, not someone that could just pull people together, but chapter 11 opens with a, an unbelievable story that gives him an opportunity to show him as a strong military leader and Saul readily stepped through that door and proved himself to be all of that and more. I think it's safe to say that as with anyone, there were great qualities that, Paul, that Saul possessed, but there were also faults as well because nobody's perfect. And so when some of the negative traits then begin to exhibit themselves in chapter 13 when Samuel didn't arrive on time, according to Saul, Saul by now is almost getting intoxicated on himself. He just decides that he would offer the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and that was not anywhere close to the purview of his responsibilities as the king. That belonged to the priest. And so when he did this, actually in chapter 13, when he did this, uh, just as a side note here, when he did this, this was where he lost the kingdom. The Amalekites just sealed the deal. But this is where the kingdom was stripped away from him because it's a very serious responsibility to touch things that don't belong to you. Amen. That's why the scripture talks about touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. There are areas where we ought to fear to tread. Amen. In chapter 14, he ordered his men, Samuel, another, another snapshot of some weakness in the middle of a, a battle. He ordered his men who were weary and rightfully so in the battle not to even eat, even though the woods, the Bible talks about, was full of honey. There were things there that could give them strength and, and sustain them through those things. And finally, in chapter 15, reveals the ultimate transgression for not totally destroying the, uh, the Amalekites and, and then lying about it. And, and uh, that's kind of where we know he's more famous for that uh, than per, perhaps any other thing. So now, after all of this has come crumbling down, God once again speaks to Samuel. So here's Samuel. A man, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a man who, by the way, was minding his own business as well. And so the Lord speaks to Samuel and Samuel is told that, that you've got to go tell Saul that I have rejected him from being king. The same man going, that went to anoint him has now got to go and tell him that God has rejected you from being the king. And so the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 26, and Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Now this is where I think the story gets interesting. 
In 1 Samuel 15 and 35, the Bible says, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul and the Lord repented that he made Saul king over Israel. I think it's imperative that we understand the human dynamics that are at work here. Because if we just keep this all on a spiritual level, it means one thing. But tonight, if the Lord will help me, I want to just try to dissect this story and pull out the human element of all of this. That Samuel was a man that was called upon to go anoint him, tell him all of these things that were going to happen to him, and it did happen just as the Lord spoke to him it would. And now this same man called upon to go and tell him that because of your rebellion, I'm not going to go with you anymore. I, I can't go any further. I can't make another mile of this journey because God has rejected you. And then the scripture says, nevertheless, he mourned Saul. He mourned for Saul. Saul's failure obviously was a great disappointment to, to Samuel and when we think about the great opportunities that were set at the feet of Saul that had obviously been taken for granted, I mean, here was a man who was in line to have his name recorded, eternally recorded as the greatest leader of all time. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 13 and 13, Samuel said, the Lord would have established thy kingdom, thy kingdom upon Israel forever. That's what the Lord intended to do. I will, your name will be established forever. But he took all of that for granted. This tremendous future now has been thrown away because of his own disobedience to the word of God and the will of God and because he allowed self to get into the equation. And so now I want to take our attention from Saul so much and I want us to look at Samuel if we can. And we ask ourselves this, where to from here? It would seem that everything and all that needed to be done would just be to find a fresh word from God, find the mind of God, and let's just move on. Let's just march forward. However, we cannot discount the power of human relationships. And so sometimes it's not always just so easy to just march on and just plow and forge ourselves in to the future, into some uncharted waters. And so when, when people disappoint us, when situations disappoint us, and it'll be all right for you to be honest here, amen, it causes sometimes our feet, our steps to stagger. It, it sways our faith and our confidence. Amen, that's not because we're weak, it's because we're human. We put our trust there, it was somewhere we assigned some confidence and I'm not trying to tear any of that down, but I'm just telling you that, that from time to time that there are people that disappoint us in life. There are situations that disappoint us in life. It may be a leader. It may be a family member. It, it, it may be someone that we never assumed would. Amen. So how do we respond? That's the bottom line. We got to deal with this. How are we going to respond to this? I think it's certainly natural what we find in the life of Samuel to mourn, I think that that's a very natural thing. Sorrow comes, and and I think to try to ignore sorrow is a very dangerous thing. Try to bottle it all up, keep it in for another day, for another season. The Bible says that that Samuel mourned for Saul, and I can't find any place in Scripture where the Lord ever rebuked him for mourning Saul. Stay with me now. 
Amen. Even God himself repented that he made Saul king, or I think he was mournful about this situation. And so it wasn't that Samuel mourned for Saul that got the attention of God. It was something different. It was that Samuel mourned too long. He said, how long are you going to mourn over this? He's not being rebuked for mourning, but it was the length of mourning. And so uh, there are times when, when we have to decide that enough is enough. And I just have to move forward. I've got to find, I don't want to wear this phrase out, but we have to find a new normal. I've got to ask God and get some direction from the Lord. Amen. How long, he said, will you mourn for Saul seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? He said, basically, if we were to put this in our language today, he said, you're going to have to let go of this and just move on. You're going to have to move on. And so Samuel could have no way of knowing this, absolutely no way of knowing this. God had a plan, and God knew what he was going to do, but he didn't let Samuel in on this plan. Samuel is still mourning over the man that he anointed with oil, the man that he watched all of these tremendous things happen in his life, the man who was a gifted leader, the man who was a military leader, a man who really was all of that. He truly was. And so God had something better in store for Samuel, but he didn't know this. God is not giving him a play-by-play just like he doesn't give us a play-by-play. Amen. God had something better in store not only for Samuel, but for all of Israel. But I want us to not read through this story too fast and even skip ahead in our minds. We have got to keep ourselves in the skin of Samuel here for just a little while tonight even though it may be uncomfortable. Here is a man who thought that this is how it's all going to be. His name is going to be forever etched, not only in the hearts and the minds of men, but it will be chronicled in history forever. And now it has all fallen apart. Now it is dust and ash. Now it is just yesterday's news. It's, it doesn't even resemble it doesn't even resemble what it was just a few days ago, weeks ago, or months ago. And so I think that there are two things that we must get a hold of here in Scripture. First, there was a command from the Lord that said to Samuel at a very low moment in his life, probably at a moment where he was even a little disillusioned. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Fill thine horn with oil. Amen. Even though Samuel was in the throes of grieving, the Lord reminded him that you still have what it takes to anoint another leader of Israel. Samuel is probably, if he is made out of the same thing, was made out of the same thing that you and I are made out of, he is probably, uh, he is probably second guessing himself at every turn. Now let's just keep it real. Amen. I mean, he is, he is the man uh, I know the Lord is the one that told him to do all these things, but Samuel was the voice and the hands and he was the flesh that God was using to say, this is the next man, this is the next king, this is our future, and now it's all gone to pot. And now the Lord says to him, fill your horn with oil and go anoint another leader. Samuel must be thinking, oh man, I don't have it in me, Lord. But the Lord saw something in him that he couldn't see in himself Go and anoint the next man. The second thing we need to take away from this is that no matter how disappointed Samuel was, God had a plan. And can I tell you that God always has a plan. (laughs) 
David was to be the, a man after God's own heart that was prophesied. That was prophesied in 1 Samuel 13 and 14 whenever Saul offered the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, it was prophesied right then that the kingdom would be stripped from him and God would find a man that after his own heart. Of course, all the disappointments in life tonight, I'm not gonna try to name them one by one. We could pass this microphone around and I'm sure that young and old alike could talk about some things in your lives that have been moments of true disappointment. Amen. But nevertheless, God still has a plan. Our disappointments come in all shapes, all colors, and all sizes. It could be any number of things. I mentioned a few a moment ago, but it could be things like abandonment or divorce, betrayal, relationships that that just fell apart. They didn't turn out to be what we thought they were going to be. Maybe you're dealing with declining health or a life-changing accident came along that just forever jaded your future or what you thought your future was going to be. It may be somewhere you have placed your confidence and that that individual had let you down. All of those things can lead to to times and seasons of mornings in our life and that can cause us to encounter many, many different emotions along the way. Amen. And so when you come to a point, and when I come to a point like this in my life, amen, or maybe you're going through one of those right now, we need to remember this. God always has a plan. And he knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows what we're fighting, what we're facing. He knows what we're thinking behind the smile, behind that cheery, everything is okay. God sees our heart and he has a plan. He has a plan. Amen. I I don't think it's ever the will of God to allow situations to ever bring us to a place of spiritual paralysis or, or spiritual death. I mean, we, we can't, at some point, we have to realize that I can't stay in this condition. I can't stay in this state of mind or in this state of spirit. And so if we're wasting our life mourning over someone or something that has disappointed us, we have to understand something beyond that. And that something beyond that is the fact that God has some greater things that are ahead of us. I want you to look around tonight carefully. This is not a pep rally. I'm not standing here trying to offer you a bunch of fluff and feathers I'm gonna stand firmly upon the word of God and tell you that there is a way to deal with disappointing seasons in our lives. And they must be reconciled. We must deal with this. We can't allow these things to just simmer in our lives forever. Even in the life of David, we find him dealing with very disappointing situations. We read various accounts where, where David was forsaken by the very people that should have protected him. And we, one time we find David saying something like this. He said, I could have borne this if an enemy had done this. But the wounds I'm dealing with were inflicted by those that I went to the house of worship with. And so we're talking about a man who understands disappointment himself. Somewhere along the line, no matter what he faced, David had the fortitude somewhere to pen these words in Psalms 27 and 10. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. (laughs) Amen, what a powerful promise. Amen, when the very hands that ought to console me fail me, God is gonna be there to lift me up and take me up. And can I tell you tonight that there's more than just a few amens in this house that can tell you that when life itself let me down, God was right there to hold me and to sustain me 
Maybe I didn't feel warm and fuzzy. Maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't have a grin from ear to ear, but God was sustaining me and putting some solidarity to my steps and some foundation to my walk with him. What a powerful thing to be taken up by the Lord himself. What a great passage of scripture we find in the 91st Psalm. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in him, in him will I trust. Praise God. Amen. Samuel just didn't see how he could do what God has asked of him. As a matter of fact, in, in a, just a, a moment of utter honesty, 1 Samuel 16 and 2 says, the Lord records these words from Samuel that says, how can I go? How? I don't know how to put one foot in front of the other. I don't know what to do here. And the Lord is saying, fill your horn with oil. I've got a plan. <laughs> Maybe... You've asked ourselves those same questions. How can I go on? How can I go on without this person in my life or that person in my life? Maybe it was somebody you won to the Lord or people you've invested a lot of time in or, or, or a million, perhaps, illustrations that we could insert into that. And we ask ourselves, how can I go on? Maybe it was somebody that you trusted or somebody that you looked up to and we say, how can I go on? However, just like the Lord made a way for Samuel, he will make a way for us. God somehow touched Samuel and somehow in the throes of it all, he rose and filled his horn with oil. And we know according to scripture that he had the privilege of anointing David. David was the answer. David was God's answer to what had happened. Amen. So when we turn something over to the Lord, here's what we need to understand. God always gives us something better. <laughs> when we actually put it in the hand, really put it in the hand of God, not, not put it in the hand of God and still hold on to it, not put it in the hand of God today and take it back tomorrow, but when we pull it, place it in the hand of God, we know it's in the safest place it could ever be. Amen. Our disappointments may be severe, and I, I want to make that clear in our minds. I'm not just talking about little little tragedies or little things in life that, that are far less than tragedies, but some things are severe, but God can still work that to our good. When disappointment comes in our life, then we have to decide at that moment, now, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do from here? Amen. I'm not saying that we will not or even that we should not mourn some losses. Obviously, I think that mourning is a part of our makeup, and, but, it's, but it's what I'm driving at here tonight is that we cannot afford to allow our losses in the past or even our losses in the present to define our future. Because if, if the enemy can just stop us where we are, paralyze us somewhere along the way spiritually, and we are just held in this eternal limbo, he has won the battle. And so now I gotta figure out how to navigate past this disappointing moment in my life and not allow the past or the present, I wanna underscore that, to affect my future because I believe that we have a great future with God's hand upon our lives. Amen. So it may be time to stop mourning and start discovering what God really truly desires to do in the next chapter of our life. I think it's important to underline the fact also that that the relationship between Samuel and Saul was not a casual relationship. 
I think I can bear that out in Scripture. I think A, it was a spiritual one. I think it was a significant relationship. It was not just a relationship that affected one, but I believe it was a relationship that affected the lives of a nation. It was God who for the first time ever joins a prophet and a king. This was a very significant moment. However, it was the sinfulness of Saul's actions that caused Samuel's heart to be broken and it's important, as I mentioned earlier, that Saul didn't ask for any of this, or Samuel didn't ask for any of this. He didn't ask for Saul to be his king. He didn't ask for him to be a friend. He didn't ask for this relationship or this bond to develop. He certainly didn't ask for his heart to be broken over the decisions that Saul would later make in his life. And because of all of this, we read that Samuel mourned. But he didn't mourn because he was weak. He mourned for the same reason that we mourn. We mourn over broken things broken relationships, broken things, fractured things in our life. We long for what could have been. Sometimes we long for what should have been, but we can't undo that. We wonder if God is gonna be able to replace the things or if God can replace the people that seem to be a part of our, God, of our lives for so long. It just seemed like this was where we were headed and this was what was supposed to happen. And now, God, are you gonna be able to replace this? Will I ever fit in again? Will I ever feel at home again? Yes, the answer to that is yes. Just stay in the hand of God. God then steps into our world and he asks us a question that every one of us are gonna to have to answer and we're gonna to have to answer it honestly if we have any hope of moving forward and when the Lord says, how long are you gonna mourn over this? Amen, that was a question worth pondering. How long are you gonna mourn over this? He said, get up. Not, God is not unconcerned about our feelings. He's not a high priest, the scripture says it can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we. And so we're talking about a God who understands our disappointment and our tears and our sorrow. And so this is not a callous voice that's saying, go fill your horn with oil and anoint the next king. This was a loving God that's saying, if you'll just keep walking, I've got something that's gonna, I've got something that's gonna be better than you ever imagined around the corner. This afternoon, while pouring myself into these particular passages of Scripture, I tried my best. Please don't make fun of me or make light of this. But I tried my best to place myself in Samuel's shoes for just a moment. Now, I, I know the passage of Scripture that I'm about to read. We've always kind of read this. I'm gonna read about where David is actually anointed. All of the brothers have come. Here are the brothers and Jesse saying, this is surely this was the one. Samuel's no, no, no. And, and finally Samuel says, is there another? And there's David and we always kind of run right to David and we think here's this shepherd boy and it's an incredible story. I don't want to take away from it, but I just want to pull out another slant from this. And I don't want us to wear David's sandals. I don't want us to bring his shepherd staff into the scene. I want us to just keep on Samuel's clothes for a moment. First Samuel 16 and 12. He would ask the question, is, do you have any more sons? Yes, he said. And he sent and he brought him in. And this describes David. He was ready and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord says to Samuel who is still grieving in his heart over Saul stay with me now 
He said, arise and anoint him, for this is he. What do you think was going through Samuel's mind? It's like deja vu. This seems eerily familiar. It's the same vial. It's the same oil. It's the same hand. And you're asking me to you're you're asking me to anoint him? I've already done this once, God. I don't know if I can pull this off. I've already been down this road. I'm not sure that I'm willing to do this again. I'm not trying to toy with your emotions. I just want you to see this for just a moment from Samuel's point of view. Amen. Samuel took the horn of oil. I don't know what he had to push out of the way to do this. We will never be able to measure how much Samuel he had to move out of the way to obey the voice of God. We just read it all heroic-like. He grabbed that horn of oil and he laid his hands on him and he prayed a prayer of faith. But I just wonder, was this not eerily reminiscent of something in the past when I anointed another man and said, you, sir, are going to be the king of Israel? Amen. Samuel arose and turned and went to Ramah. I know that many times we don't pause long enough to really see all of that and and I hope I haven't jaded your opinion of anything. But I think we need to see this from a human point of view. I've been here before. I don't know if I can do this. I think there may have been some room in that equation even for some measure of sadness to think that this is kind of final because once I anoint him, that's it. And we're going to another chapter of our life. Now, I'm not trying to add to Scripture. I'm just trying to, what 2 Peter says, stir up your pure minds. (laughs) But this was a turning point. It's for sure in Scripture was a turning point for both men because the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David and an evil spirit came upon Saul. This was a turning point. This was a very significant moment, a turning point. To be sure for Saul, it was downhill from there. Nevertheless, Samuel had to keep moving forward. He had to keep pressing on. It was that or die. And so there's no sense in spending something as valuable as the present mourning over the past, especially when God has said, move on. So I have to release the past in order to embrace my future. And tonight I I wanted to say this and I hope I can convey this in the spirit that I feel it in my heart. I'm speaking about things I know about tonight. I'm not just preaching from my mind. I'm preaching from my heart. Those people that God has just extracted from your life and you're thinking, wow, I don't know if I can do this. But even... Abraham and Isaac, when he got to Mount Moriah, he said to the men who were with him, he said, you're gonna have to stay here. And I and the lad, we are the only ones that can go there. And so I just wanna tell you tonight that sometimes there are people that cannot go with you to your destiny. 
There are people that will not go with you to where God is wanting to take you to. Amen. I hope you're receiving this in the spirit that I'm speaking in tonight. People that I thought would stay, I can tell you from experience, have dropped off and fallen by the wayside. And it's a painful thing to lose things that you love. A painful thing to lose things that you love. I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand. And uh, just musicians, you can stay there. I'm not really sure how to end this. But I, I want to conclude with a story. And uh, this is a, something that actually happened to um, my, my family and I several years ago. And so when I first start telling this story, you're probably going to wonder, where is he going? But just stay with me, okay? Several years ago, our son, was uh, Justin, was rather young. Uh, we were raising some goats. And uh, we had a, uh, a really nice mother goat, just a, a mama goat. She was uh, not all that important, but she was a nice, a nice goat. And uh, didn't have her very long, and, and she had a, a baby goat. And uh, that was exciting. Farm was growing. Revenue was going up. We could see retirement in our future. And then all of a sudden, we started noticing something strange. Even after many weeks, the baby was weaned, but she never went through the regular cycle of, of leaving her mother and just kind of going to socialize with the other goats. And I'm not embellishing this story. One percent, I have two witnesses here. She would not leave the side of her mother. She acted like a newborn goat. And you need to understand, she's growing every day now. And in time, she is the same size as her mother. But she's still acting like a baby. In time, the mother goat is now pregnant with another baby. About four or Five, six months later go by, the baby's born. In another maybe three months or so, that second baby is weaned. And this goat went through the natural progression. She hung around with her mama some, but then began to socialize with the others. And after a while, she was off just kind of doing her own thing. All the while, the first baby goat is still acting like she did the day she was born. She will not leave her mother's side and so as even more time passed the original mother became pregnant again but this time we could tell by her size that she was carrying twins or perhaps even triplets and so because of this the closer it got time for her delivery we pinned her up so that we could keep a better eye on her because they can have complications and of course, we couldn't just pin her up. We had to pin her and the, the other baby as well. You couldn't separate them. I promise you, you couldn't separate them. She would just go into, uh, go spastic. So early one morning, we heard a goat in distress. And so my wife and I and Justin, we all ran down to the pen. And when we got there, this is what we saw. 
we saw that the mother indeed was carrying triplets and that she had given birth to two stillborn baby goats who were laying on the ground. She herself was laying on the ground and sadly she was in the process of trying to give birth to the third goat and at the same time she was dying. The goat in distress, the goat making all the noise was not her. The goat making all the noise was the baby. By the time we got there, she had ran around the perimeter of where her mother was laying down so much so until all the dirt was beat back and there was a literal path that was beat out around her of just sand, no grass, nothing. She had just ran, no telling how long, in distress, crying, crying, crying. About that time, we began to realize that the mama goat is not going to make it. We were trying to help her deliver, and and she just wasn't going to make it. And about the time that we came to the realization that the mother goat was not going to make it, the full-grown baby goat laid down back-to-back to her mama and just started dying. And when we saw what was going on, we picked her up. We would try to put her feet back under and try to make her walk. And every time we would let go of her, she would walk straight back to her mama and lay down back to back. And the last time when we could not pick her up anymore, she went back to her mama, laid down back to back. And before our eyes, she left this world. So now we're standing there and we're looking at five dead goats in a matter of time. She decided if mamas can't go, I can't go. If mama can't live, I can't live. I know this has been an unusual service, but I believe God is specifically speaking to some hearts here tonight. We got to make up our mind what we're going to do. I can't just check out of here and not tap into my future. Here was a perfectly healthy goat that laid down and died and never realized the beauty of what God had created her to be. She never had a legacy. She never had any offspring. She never come to the realization of what life could have been because her life was so wrapped up in this one thing. And tonight, I don't know where you find yourself at all, but I'm going to tell you that when we refuse to move forward, we do ourselves a disservice and a generation behind us a disservice. I've been mighty disappointed through the years. I've been wounded to the point at times I didn't know if I could get back on my feet. But you know what? I gotta keep dealing. I gotta rise up and realize that I've got to face whatever this is in front of me. Amen. I've got to climb this mountain. I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us tonight. And I'm gonna tell you, I don't discount the healing that can come in this house if we could just reach ourselves out to him and let him. I'm not trying to, 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 to bedazzle you with scripture or bore you with some farm story. I'm trying to tell you that there's a nugget of truth in all of this tonight. Samuel didn't know if he can make it and the Lord said, rise up, Samuel, and fill your horn with oil and go anoint the next generation that will lead Israel to victory. 
And so tonight, I believe the Spirit of the Lord is asking us, are we gonna rise and fill our horn with oil or are we gonna lay down and die? The choice is up to us. The choice is up to us. Amen, I wanna rise. I wanna take the horn of oil and I wanna fill it. I say, God, anoint us again. Amen, why don't we just gather around the front of this auditorium this evening and ask God to just anoint our lives again. You may be here this evening and not feel in your heart that you can take another step, but can I tell you, your future, amen, is brighter than your past. Amen, what has happened in your past will not define your future if you'll put it in the hands of God. Lord, I ask you tonight, God, to help us, anoint us, strengthen us, let the power of the Holy Ghost and divine direction, God, come into this place tonight. Help us, Lord, as we, as we decide to place our hand in yours, as we intentionally, God, put our confidence and our trust in you. I'm gonna put my trust in God because you said, Lord, in your word, it is better to place my trust there than to put my confidence in man. And so the first layer of my life, the first family, layer of my foundation God I want to make it you and your word the principles and the precepts of your word let it be you God let it be you God that touches and strengthens let it be you God let it be you God that is there and when everything else erodes when everything else is gone then I know Lord I can be sustained because I'm built on you hallelujah hallelujah I'm built on you, Lord. I'm standing on you, Lord. I'm standing on you, Lord. I'm standing on you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Amen. Let's not let the spirit of prayer live too soon. Amen. Let's not let the spirit of prayer live too soon and let's just move past this. But oh God, strengthen us, anoint us. God, our faith and our trust is not just in the things that we can see not the things that we can feel, not those tangible things, Lord, we can put our hands on, but our faith and our trust, our confidence is in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, you're our hope. You're our hope. You're our strength. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God, you're our hope and our strength tonight in Jesus' name. So in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Heal, God. Heal broken hearts tonight, God. I pray that you'll help heal hurting spirits. And God, you can touch us and help us to realize that it really matters how we deal with disappointing situations in our life. God, I don't want to just mourn so long about the past that I fail to step into the future. Oh God, I don't want to fail to step into the future of what you have in the name of the Lord.
In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. I've mentioned it countless times through the years, but Jude, this one short book, Jude, talks about angels that have fallen from their first estate. He talks about Babylon, not Babylon in ruins, not Babylon the horrible place, but he's referring to Babylon in her strength. And then he talks about Korah. All of these things were significant things. The angels goes without explanation. They were angels. What more can we say? When he talks about Korah, Korah were very influential. Korah and his men were very influential voices and leaders at one point who went astray. And Babylon, who started with strength and agility, found itself in trouble. Amen. And the Lord, Jude, through Jude, pointed out these things that can fail us. Angels can fail us. I'm not trying to rob all of our foundation tonight. I'm trying to make a point. Angels can fail us. Prince of power, uh, uh, powerful men or people can fail us. Institutions, organizations, and I'm not talking about just Christian organizations. I'm just talking about cities and, and things of that nature can disappoint us. And so Jude doesn't leave us now disillusioned. Well, what are they going to do if we can't trust angels, if you can't trust man, if you can't trust things that seem significantly strong? Amen. This is what Jude said. He said, unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's where we put our trust. Amen. Men may fail, not all, but men may fail. Angels, not all, but angels can fail. Amen. Sometimes things that we think are the things that we're counting on around us can fail. But he said, that's why you need to put your trust into him who is able to keep us. Amen. I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm casting my lot in that arena. (laughs) I'm casting my lot in that arena. It may have pained Samuel. It may have pained Samuel to be standing there. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you that I'm thankful that he pushed through the pain and anointed David and we are where we are tonight because he pushed past a disappointing moment in his life. Amen. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to speak your word and to be counted worthy to stand behind this desk tonight. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to take us. Please take us from this place. Help God us to relinquish things that need to be let go of and place it in your hands. Put our faith, our trust, our confidence in you. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.